wine. Right, should I pour us some wine? Yeah, always a little bit of wine. Oh, I thought it was going to be a pop. I got really scared. I was like, why is she aiming it at me? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a cork. Hello, I'm Erin and welcome to Let's Undress This, a place where we talk about fashion, the worries, the woes, the problems and the issues. This is a space where we can talk about what people are doing in the industry and what we can collectively do to change it. I'm on a journey to interview creative people that have a love for fashion but also know how problematic it is. Come and join me and let's let it all out. Today we are undressing the subject of feminism, the patriarchy and what it all means in relevance to fashion and art. And I'm here stripping it bare with Tori Harris. Tori is an art student studying fine art painting at Camberwell University. She's a very talented painter that voices her emotion and femininity through her work. She also happens to live with me, which is extremely helpful. We will be discussing what it's like being a female artist and the correlation between fashion and art and living in the world as a woman. Can we talk a little bit about the history of art? Yeah. Because I only know male artists. Yeah. If I was to, like, you know, reel them off, I'm like Picasso, Da Vinci... Andy Warhol, all yeah, of that. Yeah, there's Big Boys Club. Actually, if you focus on the history of art, was there female artists and, you know, why don't we know them? Yeah, so, I mean, misogyny has always been very prevalent in the art world. I mean, if we look back at the old masters, so mm. we have, like, Rembrandt, Da Vinci, mm. all these kind of people who set the, paved the way kind of thing of what we know today as a modern artist. Yeah. Um, so women weren't allowed in their studios. Right. Uh, it was a completely male environment. Uh, women were only allowed in to model. Right. And most of the time, they would be naked. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay, there's yeah. already that kind of thing. And there's this term, like, old masters. And even though, I guess, some women did make manage to make it, mm. um, there's no kind of term, like... Old mistresses, that's not a thing. Mm. And the term mistress, I think, has a complete different connotation. Oh, yeah, completely. If you think of mistress, you think of the other woman. The other woman. You think yeah. of the, like, prostitute or the whore that yeah. this guy's got on the side, you know. Completely, but if you hear the term, like, old masters, you... You think of some sensei. Like... Yeah, it's like you're taken back to a time of, like, the Renaissance, you know, like, Italian yeah. high art. Um, yeah. Which I guess is a very westernised view of art in mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. doesn't really extend beyond that. It's a very, I guess, exclusive industry historically. Yeah. Um, and I guess that can still be seen today. I mean, like mm. you said, all the painters that come to mind are all men. They're all men, yeah, yeah. Apart from the odd few that it's like, yeah, yeah. it's all men. Apart from, like, Tracy Emmons, I can't think of, like, yeah, like, any female artist, really. Completely. And there's this idea, there's this concept of the female artist mm. being an exception. Mm. Um, like we see these kind of lists going around on the internet that's like top 10 exceptional female artists you should know about mm. which although great you know we're getting names of like women out there mm. they're kind of problematic in mm. themselves because they promote this idea of a good female artist being the exception to the rule right the exception to the old masters yeah I guess and there's a cycle that 
in order to be put on one of these lists and kind of get, uh, I guess, equal fame to the men, mm. you kind of have to embrace the role of being the exception. Right. And leave the other women, other painters who happen to be women or artists that happen to be women behind. Mm. And it kind of creates a cycle where you're encouraging this idea that only exceptional women can be painters, but you're also fulfilling... I guess your own personal dream yeah. to make it as a full-time artist. Yeah, completely. And it completely fuels this big old circle. Yeah. And it so instead of like being known as a female artist, you're put into a box of like the artist, but she's female. Yeah. You know? It's like you are a female artist, and all your work revolves around the fact that you are female mm. and you are special, and you yeah. yeah, it's it's a big old box of yeah, everything really. <laughs> So what about in like today's today's climate really? So like you've got I'm I'm assuming that the majority of your class is male, female or mixed or so what's it like? On my course at the moment there's about two hundred people. Mm. And most of them are women. Okay. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I would say it's probably about a seventy thirty split. For female to yeah. male. So it's quite oh, heavily female. Mm. Um, which is very interesting, considering most of our like lecturers are men. Oh, I think interesting. There are two female lecturers that I can think of. Yeah. Um, one is head of my year, so mm. you know. Yeah, badass. Badass, we love it. <laughs> so it's kind of like flipped from what the students actually are, mm. which I guess is that promoting the idea that men get the success and these two female lecturers are the I exceptional mean, yeah. woman artist. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like that is a direct correlation of to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like you've got all these male artists that are doing really well and then you've got all these struggling female, female artists, artists right? yeah. <laughs> trying to get a word out grouping together because yeah. you often see a lot of like female collective mm. exhibitions as well they kind of like band together mm. to get out there yeah what's it like studying at UAL like I know we've, we make Ooh, jokes about it all the time. <laughs> we make jokes about this all the time, being like, oh, you UAL student, <laughs> you look like so UAL right now. And it is, it's one of the biggest creative universities in the world. It's not number just the two country. at the moment. In the world? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But I would argue, personally, mm. that UAL is a number two CSM. Okay. Um, number two. CSM is Central St. Yeah, Martins. Central St. Martins. Um, so UAL is six different universities. Yeah, it's the umbrella term. Yeah. And it's kind of split into two and you have Camberwell, Chelsea and Wimbledon mm -hmm. who deal with like fine art, ceramics, kind of like the traditional route, I guess, of an artist. Mm. Then you have London College of Communication London College of Fashion, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, and London Central St. Martins, which okay. tends to be the one people have heard of. At the end of the day, it's a university, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think people forget that. There are all these kind of like wondrous kind of ideas of it. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's a university. It functions in the same way as any other university mm. a business. Because yeah. that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the name for it is half of the attraction. Let's talk about some of the artists that you mentioned. Yes. Gorilla Girls. Gorilla Girls. So the Gorilla Girls are a activist art collective. 
I'd mm-hmm. say. Um, they kind of come from the 80s, New York specifically. Mm. And the the whole idea behind them is that they're a group of anonymous women who wear gorilla masks. Okay. Um, so you don't know who they are. And they're still around today, but obviously... I'm presuming it's different people. Yeah. We don't know. Mm. Um, But it's kind of like this ever-evolving collective of women who aim to highlight the systematic issues Mm. of misogyny in the art world. The piece I sent you was the advantages of being a woman artist. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this text piece of art where they list all these things like working without the pressures of success, you know, and all, all listing all these things that um, men ironically have to deal with, you know, like okay. the pressure and all these things, but they're actually like disadvantages. Yeah. Really. Yeah, exactly. Um, because there isn't the expectation mm. that a woman will be able to make it as an artist. Yeah. I think, and they highlight all these things and they like directly go into famous gallery spaces mm. um, like they went into the Museum of Modern Art mm-hmm. in America and they found that something like 70 maybe even more than that percent of the statues that were on display were made by men mm. but like 90 percent of them were naked women oh my god and the whole point was like do women have to be naked to get into the Museum of Modern Art? Oh my god, yeah, that's so true. And yeah, so they kind of highlight these things that we maybe see but don't kind of register. No, yeah, because if you think of a classical like piece of art, you yeah. think of a naked woman yeah. lying on a chaise long, like with her hair yeah. flowing down. Completely, yeah. and I think that goes back to the fact that that is the only way women could get into a studio. Yeah. Oh, yes, to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like carrying on this elitist legacy, I guess, Yeah. of these old masters. Now. And I think classist as well, because mm-hmm. I think you have to be of a certain class to be able to afford to paint, because yeah. it was an expensive hobby, right? Yeah. Like, you think of the pre-Raphaelites, mm. all very rich white men, mm. kind of famous for this bohemian kind of know the artist bohemian lifestyle yeah but actually they could afford to portray themselves like that because they were rich white men oh yeah in society and they had that protection and i guess their muses their female models who Mm. were more likely living this lifestyle you know Mm. going to parties Mm. sitting for painters you know having all these affairs with them Mm. and they were the ones being judged for it yeah Exactly. But because these kind of men, because they were men, I guess, they yeah. were protected from it and kind of using these women to, I guess, promote these ideas that... That everyone loves everyone and, like, you know, that bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. But I think you can relate that to modern day as well because yeah. you've got all these champagne socialists now, right, mm-hmm. that, you know, come from wealthy backgrounds and bang on their drum and be like, you know, we believe in the Liberal Party yeah. and... <laughs> about anything whereas women have to like include their femininity and their feminism standpoint to get noticed yeah and even if they don't if even if they paint whatever they want because they're women and because of the male gaze and all these things it's always going to be read through the lens of their woman yeah what does this say about being a woman Mm. even if it you know i might have just painted a plant because i like the plant yeah but they could be like oh the dying plan is about, you know, like, dying gender roles. <laughs> and I'm like, I just like the plan. Yeah, like, yeah, this is a nice, pretty plan. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so, or it could mean something completely different to yeah. what you were trying to say, but it's still read through that lens mm. of being a woman. Yeah. Mm. And then I want to talk about this artist here that you sent me. Barbara Kruger. Barbara Kruger, who... Love her. <laughs> I have seen this piece of art before, but I could not tell you who painted it. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't know Barbara Kruger. She's not a household name, whereas I would have known who the Gorilla Girls are. Yeah. I have no idea who Barbara Kruger is, but I have seen this particular piece yes. of art before. Yeah, so she, again, artist from the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, she uses found imagery from, like, newspapers, magazines, mm. uh, things like that, and places them with text pieces mm -hmm. that always use a pronoun that mm. directly addresses the audience. Okay. So it's like, I, you, we, mm -hmm. they kind of thing, mm. to kind of establish that relationship with the audience. Right. And they all regard either feminist or, like, consumerism issues. Okay. I Shop, Therefore I Am is about the idea that there's a pressure on women to buy. Mm. That, I guess, arguably men don't have. Like, mm. there's always that pressure on women to look perfect mm. and in keeping with whatever's going on around them. Mm. And it's the idea of, like, whatever we buy, whatever we put on our bodies, we kind of become that persona yeah I guess yeah for sure and I think I think women do have this pressure to buy a lot more than men because I don't know whether it stems from us having to impress men yeah. all the time might be a factor for it yeah if women you... are taught that other women are are a competition yeah I think and I think that goes back down to like natural in instinct yeah because like back in like cavemen times or whatever mm. You need a partner to survive, yeah. you need a man, because mm. he did all the hunting and all these things. Mm. And I think it comes down to, like, there's that instinct to kind you, of, like... Yeah, you rely on a man. Rely on, yeah. yeah. And so that is almost like a natural thought that we have yeah. now, is that we need a man to mm. be to be something in the world. Because that's kind of, like, systemically put into us through society. Mm. Yeah, completely. Like, even when, I don't know what your school was like, obviously we went to school in very different mm. areas of the country... I remember we had this day and it was about like what we wanted to be when we grew up mm. and like we had to pick jobs out of a hat and pretend yeah. to be them for the day oh. but like the girls and the boys had different parts <gasps> no and the boys was like builders and all these kind of like important things and it's like for the girls it was like hairdresser vet like, oh my god yeah it's crazy that's crazy that's actually mad because you think of that not being that wasn't that long ago and you think of that being such a old Thing yeah, to think, because women could be anything now, yeah, though, completely. right? <laughs> yeah. But then I also think that we have this battle with like a career or yeah. a baby. Yeah. You have to choose. Yeah. So it's like you either go with what you want to do and you want to like excel in your career and your success, yeah. or you have to put all of that on hold, have yeah. a baby, settle down with a family, which yeah. is what most people do. That's yeah. that's. Yeah, and I also think there's a pressure to feel like if that's what you want to do, if you want to settle mm. and have a family and have kids, completely, that you can. Yeah, because it's like people are judging you for not being. Oh yeah, if a I, strong career woman. Yeah, if I said I really want to be a housewife, yeah, every all the feminists would like yeah. shout at me and be like, "What the hell? You need to make something of yourself." Yeah, but actually, to me, feminism is about giving the choice of yeah. what you want to do. Oh yeah, completely. and not judging anyone for that. Yeah, but this piece of art. So let's yes, go back go to this linking piece of it all art. back to that. Why have I seen this? Why have I seen this everywhere? So that particular piece, like Kruger's a brand, 
if you recognise one piece, you will recognise everything. Mm. Because it's always the black and white with the red, all very... Mm. Yeah, she has a brand for herself. Mm. But that particular piece <laughs> was printed on coffee cups, on shopping bags. It was put <laughs> everywhere in America. The irony. Like, you will know this piece. Like, yeah. if you Google it right now, you will have seen it before. Yeah. I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it got picked up by all these, like, brands and everything. And it mm. just got mass produced all over America. Which is so ironic. So ironic. it's trying to, like stick two fingers up to consumerism yeah. and capitalism and there it is on a coffee cup and yeah. a tote bag. <laughs> and I think, yeah, that's the big thing at the moment. It's like images, just we're in a... Our age at the moment is very image-driven, Yeah, I think. Oh, for sure. You know, I would say maybe... I guess before the invention of the telly, mm. it was very much like text-driven. Mm. You know, like newspapers, things like that. That's how things got shared. And yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's why Kruger's more relevant than ever at the moment. Yeah. She's kind of doing what everyone else is doing. What? I'm trying to do maths in my head. 40 years ago? Yeah, I think she tapped into something very interesting very early. Mm. Um, and, yeah. And she... it's completely spiralled since then. It's gone yeah. from this in 1987. Yeah. Which was quite early. It's consumerism, obviously. Everyone was buying, buying, buying. But yeah. now, you think the extent the, of what people the buy. The rate is just insane. Yeah, absolutely. We're buying all the time. And I think it is... I mean, I don't want to, like, say it's just females, because it's not. It's men as well. But it's us females that feel the need to buy all the time. Yeah, and I think we also have to, you know... It's the Western world. Yeah. But I think I think maybe in terms of women are the ones that buy clothes at an excessive rate, whereas men buy the food, the cars, the houses. Yeah, the, 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 the gadgets. The gadgets. And the gizmos. And the, yeah, and and your games and your, you know, and yeah. that's very stereotypical, obviously, I'm generalising. Yeah. But you think, why are women the ones that are buying clothes at an excessive rate? And is it to fulfil you know, a certain, oh, I need to wear this because he'll think I'll look good in this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Is and it because of that? Yeah, and, like, keeping up with your friends as yeah. well. Like, there's a, always this element of competition. I think there's a very dangerous idea at the moment of only wearing an item once. Mm. Like, not being able to outfit repeat. Yeah. And, like, yeah. we buy these, especially women, mm. these hugely expensive... Uh, like dresses and things like that for events. Mm, yeah. You know, be it weddings or, I don't know, these like social events, but mm. you find men will have like one trusty black suit, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a grey one as well if they're feeling fancy. Yeah. And they'll wear it again mm. and again and again. Mm. Yeah, I feel like if a woman was seen to be doing that, there would be... Scummy. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Like, we would never expect to see a celebrity wear the same dress twice on a red carpet. Mm. Like, that would just be seen as a no-no, I guess. Yeah. Like, or she wouldn't even realise if Leonardo DiCaprio wore the same suit twice at a no. on a red carpet. Really not. Like, at all. I think this is a good way to segue into, actually, the history of female fashion as well and mm -hmm. how we're always dressing for men yep you've got the 1920s chanel first ever power suit yeah before that women were wearing long dresses or whatever yeah and then you get this power suit which is supposed to be the working woman you know yeah but it was still very 
sexualized. Yeah. Even though it's a complete power move. And it was still like an image that women were expected to buy into. Yeah. It's like, if you don't look like this, mm. you're not the working woman, you can't be taken seriously. Mm. And again, there's that pressure to buy it. Because yeah. you want to be taken seriously. Yeah. You want to prove that you're just as good as a man, like mm. you can do the same job. Yeah. But only if you look a certain way. Yeah, only if you fit the criteria. At the moment, it's mainly men that are CEOs of company. Yeah. Obviously, women are... It's just, it's growing, and women are actually taking control and being like, I'm a CEO, you yeah. know? And that's changed. That's come a long way. A since, long, long way. Since it was. But it is still dominated by men. Yeah. Which means that men are the ones employing women. Yeah. So, there it goes again. If, if a woman looks a certain way that yeah. pleases this man, she'll get hired. Yeah. So it is that pressure, it's that pressure to wear and impress a man because it's the man that you need to impress. Yeah, because, again, going back to earlier, our mm. society is built on image. Yeah. Like, whether that be a photograph or, like, a physical, mm. what you look like. Yeah. If you sit down and think about it, it does just, like... Yeah. Blow your mind. Yeah, and it's almost too much to think about yeah. sometimes. You're like, you oh, my so God. so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, it's so overwhelming. And it's like that when we address any issue any really. issue yeah it's like it's it can be so overwhelming and you've just got to take it in small bites really yeah if you you know sit down and try and do it all at once it becomes very easy to just like shut yourself off from it yeah because you're like it's overwhelming me you know it's making me panic and all these things so you kind yeah. of turn a blind eye and also it's kind of like fuck it doesn't affect me yeah yeah and that's a very easy thing to think yeah to sit there and be like oh doesn't affect me so you know as long as you have good intentions yeah and you're constantly trying to improve on yourself then yeah yeah and it's like these ideas i don't even heard of like the feminist goggles mm. it's like once you put them on and you see things you'll never not be able to see them you can't take them off yeah like even when when watching like a, a rom-com mm. yeah. it's very hard to detach from they're normally very sexist, yeah. very, like, based on stereotypes, you know, it's all about the man using the woman to, like, yeah. move the story along. Yeah, and yeah. it's very hard sometimes to detach, like, yeah. it's a movie. Well, I think it's really funny, I was watching an Adam Sandler movie the other day, <laughs> and I was just sitting there and I was like, she would never be attracted to him. And I know that sounds mean. I'm not trying to, like, slate Adam Sandler, but my God, does he... He produces all his films, mm -hmm. and he casts the most gorgeous people, yeah. like Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Aniston, to be yeah. his love interest, and I'm like, And he always what? plays a bit of a bum. And he plays a bit of a bum and a useless... But still, he gets the girl. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's like, I always think, classic example, lot of people hate me for saying it because everyone seems to love it, mm. but 500 Days of Summer. Oh, yeah. That, she was not into him. <laughs> where, where, why did he get that from? I Literally. don't know. I do not know. But, yeah. Guggenheim Museum. Mm. A lot of people have heard of that as a thing. Yeah. Um, but Peggy Guggenheim, who set it up, mm. incredible, incredible legacy, like what she's done. Yeah. So she did come from a very privileged background. Her father yeah. sank on the Titanic, so obviously oh, wow. okay. money. Money. Yeah. Money, money. But what she did for only about 10, 20 years mm. is she collected art um, and curated this. It was in her house. Mm. And at the end of 10 years, she had about 30 million mm. pounds worth of art. Oh my God, that's insane. And obviously, 
that's quite rare for there to be a female art dealer. Yeah. Um, and then obviously after her death, there's the Peggy Guggenheim Foundation, mm. and it's been t turned into this museum. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that there is this space that was kind of originated yeah. by a woman, yeah. but it is currently all being run by men. No. It is. So the one woman on the team is her, I want to say it's her granddaughter. Yeah. And she kind of oversees, but doesn't have a lot to do with it. She'd probably be turning in her grave. Yeah, especially because she was the most badass woman. Yeah. She, her biographer, she did an interview. Mm. And it was, this biography was only released after she died. Yeah. But she claimed to have intimate relations with over a thousand men <gasps> in the space of about three years. Oh my god, iconic! And like, <laughs> celebrities, bankers, all these people come out and were like, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, true. You can see from there. <laughs> like, she was that's known true. as just She's as, like, owned it. She's absolutely completely. owned it. And I know she could do that because she was in a privileged position. Yeah. But I think that is one of the biggest art spaces in the world that we have mm. due to a woman. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really sick. That's so that's cool. really cool. Right, I wanted to ask you two questions. Yeah. I want to know, what is your most memorable fashion memory? What was your point when you were a kid and you were like, fashion, yes, I look stylish right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so, I used to get bin bags a lot from my sister's old, like, clothes. Because we used to do hand-me-downs, it makes sense, right? You've got a younger yeah. sister. Oh, like, yeah, like, bin bags filled with clothes. Yeah, yeah, and, like, my aunt used to, like, just give us stuff and whatever. Yeah. And so she was, she was Ema, she was a scene kid. <laughs> yeah. And I remember getting her clothes and just being like, yeah, I look like I have one of Ema right now. I look <laughs> freaking cool. Was there a certain item that made you feel like, damn, yes? Yes, and I actually still own it nice. to this day. Um, it's, can you remember, was she called Emily Strange? It was like a character. She was like the gothy girl with like black hair and a fringe. Yeah. It was this jumper, yeah. And on the back, it had her on the front, and on the back, it said Cat Fight Club, or like Alley Cat Fight Club or something. Yeah. And it was like black and white, and the hood had ears on. Oh my god, that's so. Cute. I just like remember feeling so cool. I was like, yeah, I could fight someone, and I still own it. Like I still wear it sometimes. Oh my god, that's so cute. And it's like now it's tiny. It's like a little, <laughs> you know, like baby tees. It almost fits a bit like that. Yeah. And like the pockets are up on my boobs and everything <laughs> but like I'm still wearing that um yeah I just always felt the coolest and I had a um zebra print tie oh, as well oh my god and I was like yeah I used to have a tie as well, and I used to wear a tie and like a little trilby hat. The trilbies! And I just thought I was the bee's knees. I swear, everyone our age has at least one traumatic photo in a trilby. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I look just, oh my god, it was like a black pinstripe trilby with some flowers on it. Mine Terrible. was hot pink with something on, and I got it from Blue Banana. Oh, you yeah. Blue Banana? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I want to ask you, if you had to save one item of clothing in a house fire, all the rest of your clothes are being burnt to a crisp, <laughs> not replaceable, what is the one item you would save and why? Probably my leopard print coat, like mm. my full length, it's like, is it like a teddy or something? Yeah, it's like that, like, that, that, like um, teddy bear yeah. texture. Um, yeah, leopard print coat. It just goes with everything, mm -hmm. or at least I convince myself. 
But it goes it with everything. It does go with everything. Leopard print <laughs> any colour. And it just makes me feel so good whenever I wear it. I feel like a boss. Yeah. Like Charlie's Angels. For some reason. Yeah. That is how I feel when I wear it. Where did you get it? I got it from... Was it a charity shop? But you know, like, when people like shops have like outside sales oh that yeah yeah sense. yeah i think it's like discontinued oh yeah stock or whatever i don't know it was really cheap i got it for like 15 quid <gasps> that's so good standard. what a steal i literally wear it every single day pretty how, much how old is it i got it in my first year of uni oh okay so that's quite a good like three years old yeah and you wear it every single day every single and day. i kid you not this coat still looks yeah brand like, new. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't know. know you really wouldn't know that's mad for three years i should probably wash it <laughs> yeah. I feel I'm really bad at washing coats. I don't wash them unless I've like someone's puked on it or like. That's another thing though. I don't know how to look after half my clothes. <laughs> Where are these instructions? We need to be taught how to look after these clothes so they last. I know. It was lovely talking to you, you Tori. Too, too. Not like we talk every day. Yeah. <laughs> and not like we're probably gonna go into the living room and chat some more. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, finish this bottle of wine that we've got cracked open. Oh yeah, I mean, it'd just be rude not to really, wouldn't it? You have been listening to the Let's Undress This podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you want to ask any questions about what we've spoken about today, have a subject that you think needs to be undressed, or indeed feel like you want to chat with me yourself, follow the at Let's Undress This podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and feel free to tag us in your questions or message me directly. Until next time, see ya.